Right, so this morning we're continuing our series on family, church, family values, and we are talking about the fact that we are worshippers. So if you're part of our church family, if you're new here, if you've been part of this journey for a while, we want you to know that we are worshippers. That's what we are. We value worship, and today I'm going to talk to you simply about why we worship and how we worship. So we're going to start with why do we worship? I'm going to try not to hang around on, on points too long because I just want a time of, uh, to spend some time in worship at the end as well today. So, uh, first of all, worship is our response in recognition, uh, sorry, our, our response to God in recognition of who he is. That, that's why we worship. Worship is our response to God in recognition of who God is. Who is God? Well, God is awesome. God is powerful. He is the creator. He is mighty. He is holy. He is glorious. He is also loving. He's kind. He's gentle. He's personal. He's faithful. He's merciful. He's gracious. That's who God is. God, God is also our savior. He's our redeemer. He's our restorer, our healer. He's our protector. He's our provider. That's also who God is. And, and many, many more things. So we worship in response to who God is. It's, it's our heart's response. So in Psalm 29, I don't know who wrote this psalm, probably says at the top of your Bible, um, but at the top of that chapter, but it says in Psalm 29, verses 1 and 2, it says, Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones, just a little reminder, your mighty ones today. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. You know, there's something about coming to God, remembering what Jesus has done for you to make you holy, uh, that your sin has been removed from your life through the sacrifice that Jesus has made. And it says, come in the beauty of holiness. What a beautiful thing it is when God's people recognize. There's nothing more precious to God than, to God than us recognizing what Jesus did and saying, I'm going to live in that. So come to him in the beauty of holiness. So if you don't feel like God has done anything for you, you might be sitting there, not fitting there. <laughs> Hopefully no one's going to fit there this morning. Um, but uh, you might be sitting there thinking, well, what's God done for me? What's God ever done for me? I've done lots for him. What's he done for me? You might be sitting there thinking, well, I need God to do something in my life, in this area of my life at the moment. And, and my answer to you is, if God never did anything for you, he's still worthy of your worship because of who he is. And actually, who he is, he is faithful. He is your protector. He is your provider. Um, God is moved uh, to, to move in your life when he sees need. Um, now, the most common Greek word for worship is proskunio, or something like that. Uh, Sandy tried some Greek out on the Forge students last week, didn't you? So I thought I'd bring some back here today. Proskunio, and it means to kiss. It means to kiss. Uh, like um, if uh, the queen sitting here, I come before the queen, I kiss her hand. Good job you're there today. Good job it wasn't David sitting there. <laughs> he wouldn't have minded now. If I'd have hugged him, they'd have run a mile. <laughs> so, anyway, that's a stunning joke. Um, so, it means to kiss. That's what the Greek word actually means. So, so that's what's behind the word. Um, and I always think of it, 
Um, in fact, I think in the Strong's Concordance, it talks about it being like a dog um, that, that runs to its owner. Um, so, you know, you get home after being out all day. Your dog is so excited to see you, unlike our cat, who just meows until you feed it, and then that's it. It's done. It's gone. Goes to sleep, um, which I don't mind at all, personally. I, I knew what we were signing up for when we got a cat. Um, but, you know, if you've got a dog, you, you, you open the door, you've been out all day, and the dog just runs up to you, it bounds up to you. It's just so excited to see you, so in love with you for some reason, and it just starts licking you all over. You know, that's what worship is, it's to kiss. It means to kiss. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not about what you've done for your dog. You could have kicked it on your way up the door um, in the morning, but, but when you get home later at night, um, you open the door and it just it just bounds towards you and it just adores you. It's because of it's because of who you are. You're its owner, <laughs> um, and it just loves you. By the way, I'm not en- endorsing kicking dogs at all. Carla just shook her head at me. I saw it. She's like, "Why are you saying that, Stuart? We don't advocate violence of any sort." You're right, Carla. We do not. Right. Um, Psalm 95. That's what was going through her head. Everyone, all right? Okay. You getting to know me? Psalm 95, verses 1 to 7 says this. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. See, nowhere is it saying about what he's done here. It's just for who he is. So for the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are also his. Uh, The sea is his, for he made it. His hands form the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. We are in safe hands. Now, I've heard it said before that God created humans because he is love, and he desired to share his love. God had so much love, he had to do something with it. So he designed us to pour his love into. Wow, doesn't that just add value to your life right there? Doesn't it just give you a sense of purpose? God designed you so that he could pour his love into you. We were created as vessels of God's love. And that's our primary purpose in life, to be loved by God. To be loved by God. Before you get on doing anything, your primary purpose in life is to be loved by God. Wow. Now, Jesus was the ultimate demonstration of the love of Father God, wasn't he? And, and he came and he, he took all the filth, all the sin, all the sickness, all the brokenness upon himself when he died on the cross. And this divine exchange took place. The righteous man that Jesus was. He was perfect in every way. When you put your faith in him, you received his righteousness. He took your sin. It was a divine exchange. Something amazing happened the moment that you put your faith in Jesus. In fact, it happened when Jesus died on the cross. In fact, he was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. God had it all in mind already. But the moment you put your faith in Christ, that became yours. His righteousness became yours. Your sin was taken by him on the cross. What an amazing act of love. You know, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. So there's only one right response to God's love, 
What do you think that is? To love him back. To worship him. So worship is simply a demonstration of our love for God. It's how we show our love for God. One of the ways that we show our love for God. You know, when we come to God in worship, we're pouring our love out to God. So that's why we worship. Let's talk about how we worship. So we have some insight from the psalm that we just read about how we worship. It sings, it talks in, at the start of Psalm 95 about singing to the Lord, shouting joyfully, thanksgiving and praise. Okay, so there's, there's a bit of insight into how we worship there. Um, we express our love for God when we worship him with singing, with shouts, with thanks, with praise. And then the next psalm, Psalm 96, just in case you couldn't work out what came after Psalm 95, uh, Psalm 96 gives us a little bit more insight into why, we, why and how we worship God, okay? Um, so the first few verses of Psalm 96 are very similar to Psalm 95. It talks about shouting and singing and all of this. But then it goes on to say, verse 7, brilliant, good job. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering. Come into his courts. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. There it is again. Tremble before him, all the earth. There are many ways that we can bring our worship to God. Now, the most obvious ways that we can worship God are singing, shouting, thanking, praising, However, when you go to your room and you close the door and you begin pouring out and speaking out, speaking out words of love to God, words of thanks to God, that's an act of worship. It doesn't have to be singing. Um, just that, that pulling away from the world and coming before God is a truly precious thing to God. So, so actually there's something there, isn't there? So how do we worship? Well, worship is about pulling away and, and pressing in. It's about pulling away from, from the things that distract, from the world around us and coming before God. That's one, th- that's one way to worship God. Uh, it's Romans 12, verse 1. Can't preach a message without bringing this in. Um, can we, Sandy? Heard you on Tuesday as well. So it says, um, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Love that. Right, this is why we do it. It's because of God's amazing mercy. Um, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Lord, have this body. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So anytime you draw away and you come before God, that's an act of worship. Uh, and then in the message version, it says, Romans 12 verse 1, it says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Isn't that great? So it's about coming before God. Um, another way that we can worship God, so we're talking about how we worship God. Another way we worship God is to do God's will. Doing God's will is an act of worship, especially when your mind 
and your, your own will, your emotions, your flesh wants to go in a different way. This is what Jesus had to battle with before he went to the cross. Luke 22, verses 41 to 44. It says, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Because Jesus knew what was coming. He knew he had to bear the sin of the world upon himself in order to take the punishment for that sin, which was death on the cross. That was weighty. That was full on. And Jesus did it for us. He demonstrated his love for us when he went to the cross. Um, He also demonstrated his love for his father. Because he quieted the voice of his flesh, which was saying, you can't go through this. You can't bear this. This is impossible. This is too much. He quieted the voice of his flesh, which opposed the will of God. That was an act of worship in itself, wasn't it? Saying, not my will, but yours be done, and then doing the will of God. Pushing through the pain, pushing through all of the persecution, pushing through the rejection. I don't know if anyone's ever seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ. Um, If you haven't, and you're 18 plus, then, then make sure you do, because it's an incredibly powerful reminder of what Jesus had to go through. It's full on, but it's Important that we understand what Jesus had to go through. That won't be one of the movie night movies, I don't think. <laughs> we won't get any families there for that one. Um, so Jesus pushed through all the pain, through the persecution, through the rejection, um, in order to do the will of his Father. You know, when we worship God in challenging times, this is incredibly precious to God. When we worship God, when it hurts, it just hurts because we're hurting. And, 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 you know, maybe you feel like, where's God in this? Well, when it hurts, when you worship God, that's powerful. When you're grieving, when you're unwell, when you are suffering, when you don't understand. I think one of the the times it's hardest to worship is you just don't understand. You're so disappointed. That's when it's hard to worship sometimes, but you push through because actually you know who God is. Despite the circumstances, despite what you see with your eyes, and despite the world screaming at you, where's God right now? You know that God is faithful. You know that he will never withhold his presence. You know that he is always with you, even in the darkest valley. He comes alongside you, and he walks with you through that dark valley. He is your strength in those times. Uh, Even when... Um, even when you're disappointed, even when you want to hide away. What a powerful thing it is to worship God in those times. Uh, When you don't have your own words to say, do what Carla did, just sing. (laughs) Sing a song. Find a song that says it for you, because there is a song out there that says it for you. Write your own song. Bring bring a song to God when you don't have the words to say yourself. Um, And this is what 
the Bible calls a sacrifice of worship. Worship sometimes is a sacrifice. It's what Romans 12 verse 1 was talking about. Um, you know, present yourself to God, a living sacrifice. You know, when you come before God in worship and it hurts, that's a sacrifice of worship. An act of worship that really costs something. Hebrews 13 verse 15 says, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. The sacrifice of praise, the sacrifice of worship. In another, I was thinking about this over the last couple of days, and another sacrifice of worship is, is when we uh, deny our flesh in terms of temptation as well. I was just thinking about that, saying, saying no to the sin is a powerful act of worship. Saying, no, I'm not going to do things that way because that's the world's way, it's not God's way. That's a powerful act of worship as well. So when it comes to how we worship God, there's all these different ways we can sing, we can quiet ourselves, we pull away to come close to God. Um, we worship Him in those really tough times. We, we deny the flesh um, we say no to temptation. There's all these ways of worshipping God. Um, but the most important thing is that our worship comes from our heart. That um, worship is not singing songs. It's not just blurting out words. Prayer isn't just blurting out words. Prayer is talking to your loving Heavenly Father. Worship is, is throwing yourself at His feet, recognizing who He is and responding to that. So Jesus had an interesting conversation in John chapter 4 with a woman who was a Samaritan, who uh, a Jew would not normally speak to because uh, they were seen as a lower class and unclean and so on. But Jesus um, had this way of interacting with just anyone because he didn't see people uh, the way that the world saw people, even the way that religion saw people. Jesus didn't see people that way. He just loved people. And uh, he has this interesting conversation with this woman at the well. Do you remember she's there to draw water? And uh, Jesus says, uh, he didn't even say please, which always, uh, I, I think he probably did. It just wasn't included in the scripture. But he says, give me a drink of water. <laughs> and um, please. And, <laughs> and Diana Payne is my mum. That explains a lot. <laughs> and uh, anyway, um, and they had this amazing conversation about living water. And Jesus tells her her life story. And, and, you know, he says, if, if, if you knew who I was, you'd be coming to me for living water. Speaking of God, speaking of the living water of God, the spirit of God. Anyway, and he goes on to say this. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Let me detangle those verses for you. First of all, the first part of the conversation is this. You can worship God anywhere you want at any time. <laughs> All right? You don't have to be in a special place. Uh, 
the, the big buildings, the, the glamorous buildings like this community center, you don't have to come here <laughs> to worship God. You can worship him at any time and in any place. That was, I was being sarcastic then, by the way. I mean, the community center is a lovely building. It really is, but it's not like one of those big old cathedrals. <laughs> um, you can worship God on your own, or you can worship God with other people. doesn't matter. But what really matters is that you worship in spirit and in truth. So what does that mean? Well, worshiping in spirit. So not just worshiping with your mind, with your will, or with your emotions, but it's good for them to be involved in your worship. Actually, your emotions will get involved with your worship. Your will and your mind will get involved with your worship. Not just worshiping God with your body, with your arms and your hands and, and all that, but from the very depth of your being, from your spirit, from your core. That's how we worship God. And then it says worshiping in truth. So it's not about putting on an act or just singing songs. It's not just going through the motions or looking the part. I think a lot of Christians are very good at just going through the motions, looking the part. But it's about being real and authentic in your worship. God can see through all of that stuff. So, so that's how we worship. And lastly, I can't talk about worship without talking about my own experience of worship. Um, I just want to say God always responds to your worship. Always. He will always respond. You're doing all right for time as well. God always responds to your worship. Yeah, no, I didn't press start at all, but my watch tells me I'm doing okay, I think. Right. God always responds to your worship. James 4, verse 8, just a real simple verse. It says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Forget about the rest of it. That's another time. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I always imagine it like, you know, um, Thomas the Tank Engine trains, like the wooden ones with the magnets. Um, if you have them one way around, they push each other away. If you turn them the other way around, they... they the closer they get, the, the more they want to be together. And I always imagine it like that. I'm like a magnet, and God's a magnet. And, and, and if I take a step towards God, there is this, this force, this, this coming together. It, it, it attracts God. My worship opens the door to God's presence in my life. Um, I, I just love that thought that, that I take a step towards God. God is ready to come towards me. Believe me. He is ready to step towards your life. Um, <clears throat> so... God always responds. He always responds by coming close to us. Now, I remember the first time I found God's presence, that I actually remember feeling God's presence. And it was when I was 10 years old, and I was in a huge crowd of people um, who were worshipping God with all of their hearts. It was in a tent in a field in Romsey, behind Romsey Rapids. Anyone ever been to Romsey Rapids? Yeah, we have. Um, uh, it's a swimming pool. And, uh, and it was in a tent in a field, and it was uh, a week of, of meetings. And I was 10 years old, and my mum said to me, I found this, this amazing place, and, and I found the Holy Spirit. She said, come with me. I was, I was like, yeah, okay. And um, so this, uh, I think it was a Saturday night or something, and, and we went along, and, uh, and it rocked our world. I was just, I was a 10-year-old in this place with all these people that were worshipping God from their hearts. So I thought, I'll just sing along these songs. And I did. And, and, and God's presence was like electricity. 
It was like electricity. As a 10-year-old, I remember feeling God's presence. We talk about God's presence being like living water. That's what it felt like, just rushing through my physical body. It was amazing, an amazing experience. And then, uh, then I had the, uh, um, the dark ages, the, the, the time as a teenager where I didn't really connect with God a great deal. Um, but then when I was about 16 years old, I found myself in, in a church full of people, and everyone was worshipping from their hearts. I was like looking around thinking, I'm like the only person that isn't getting this. Um, so I, I said to myself, I'm going to worship God from my heart, like these people are. So, so this time it was different. As a 10-year-old, I just started singing the songs. This time I was like, I'm going to worship God with all of my heart, and I'm going to sing these songs as though I mean them, because I do. I'm going to make myself mean them. And, uh, uh, and there was this even more powerful encounter with God's presence. It was life-changing for me. It, it truly was life-changing. It totally changed the direction of my life almost immediately. The difference there between when I was 10 and when I was 16 was I wasn't just singing songs now. I was meaning it. I, from my heart, I was worshipping God. I'd found worship <laughs> in my life, and I was never the same again, and I've never stopped. Um, and, and, and I don't always feel God's presence in the same way, but, but God, God's presence is always there. And it was like tens of thousands of volts of electricity. I remember just falling backwards and feeling like I was pinned to the ground um, in a lovely way. It's just like it was just totally fulfilling, totally satisfying. And that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants you to know that, that nothing... Nothing in this world can satisfy you. Nothing in this world can satisfy you. I want you to hear that today. I think most of you know that, but I want you to hear it. Nothing that this world can offer can truly satisfy. Only God's presence can satisfy your life. Only his presence can make you whole. Um, and then I was 17, and I was baptized, and, and literally I've never felt anything like it. Um, it was, oh, it's just an amazing night. And, and, and that was the night my dad came along. He wasn't a Christian. He came along and he didn't respond to the good news in that moment. But that night he couldn't sleep. And he, six weeks later, he said to my mum, oh, by the way, I prayed that prayer that night when Stuart got baptized. I prayed that prayer. He's like, you what? <laughs> he said, don't tell anyone. I don't want anyone to know. Stupid thing to say to my mum, right? Just like Jesus when he healed people. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> Everyone knew. Within six months, mum and dad were running the kids' church in, in our church. Dad had a Christian upbringing, so he, he knew the stories. And, you know, the information was there, but the revelation wasn't. But he got switched on to God that night because he couldn't deny the reality of God after that experience. Amazing, eh? So... You know, the Bible says that we are temples of God. What's a temple? It's a house where God lives, a, a temple of God. God loves to fill my life and your life with his Holy Spirit, with his presence. Uh, the Bible also says that the church is the temple of God. So together we're God's temple and that God loves to fill us with his presence. Um, worship says to God, Come into your temple. Come and fill your temple with your presence. I just want to read this last, second to last verse. Ephesians 2, 19 to 21. It says, Now therefore, you no longer are strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints 
and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. I just wanted to say that to make sure we understand how this works. In whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. That's God's design for his church. And every one of us, we're living stones in that church, human flesh stones in his temple that he loves to fill with his presence. If, if you've only recently joined the church, I really don't know many of you, um, many of you, maybe you've only just recently joined the church, you have a place in this church. You are a living stone, uh, and, and God wants you to understand your value. He wants you to know that you're an important part of his church, and he wants he wants you here because he wants to fill his church with his presence. Isn't it wonderful? You know, you can know God's presence individually, and you must know God's presence as an individual temple, but there's nothing like being with a whole crowd of people who are, who are worshipping him, who are saying, God, come and fill us with your presence. Um, God's looking for such people. He's looking for his church to fill with his presence. So, I just want to finish uh, now by saying if you've never experienced God's presence, maybe you did as we were worshipping just now, or maybe it's been a long time, maybe you just feel dry. Um, maybe, um, maybe today, uh, as we worship just now, uh, God wants to, well, I know God wants to fill you with his presence, and maybe you're going to encounter God in a way that will also change your life. I dare, I dare say it. It's not about me, it's not about my playing at all, um, or singing. It's not about us, it's about meeting with Jesus. It's about meeting with God. It says in Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. Last one, Johnny, well done. You're brilliant. Thank you for being brilliant. Um, Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2, it says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul, sorry, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now. Why not now? That's it. We'll just stop there. As the deer pants for the water brooks. Imagine that deer that's walked across the wilderness, across the desert, and there's water. And it's so thirsty. It's just desperate for that water. In the same way, we, God's people, God wants us to have that desperation, that hunger, in our lives, for his presence, for his water. There is no time like the presence. When shall I, shall I appear before God? Now. Why not now? So we're just going to finish today uh, in a time of worship. Uh, so, great.